0: had a conversation with a pimp once what did you have to say legit pimp like we talk player to player pimp to pimp we had a conversation um this was when i was in uh the army reserves and i'm trying to remember where it was i want to say i want to say it was in atl Atlanta. i think we were driving through atlanta and we stayed at a really shitty motel it might have been like a a Super eight is that what it is? Super eight motels? Mm-hmm. And there was no one there. We were like the only people staying there, but there were these two chicks staying in the same room. and people from maine I won't say anything bad about them. It's just maine's very uh isolated. you know what I mean? So when you would take a lot of these guys, and a lot of them were from, like, northern Maine, which is even more isolated. When you take them to, like, big cities. That's fuck your sister isolated. They uh, sometimes don't know how to act. You know, they get drunk and get crazy. So they see these two girls, and they just start going insane. And then we see these two big guys rolling around with big old chains and stuff, and they're in the same room. And these guys had casually mentioned to a few of the people in my unit that, I mean, these were hookers. They had a pretty sweet deal set up. They had this room and then they would pay the, ho- the motel a piece of their profits and they would just have dudes come in and fuck these girls and leave. So anyway, the night's going on. Everyone's drinking. I was drinking too, but I, I, I like kind of mind my own business because these, like they get too crazy for me. Wait,
1: hold on. What do these women look like? I
0: mean, we're in Atlanta. We're at a Super 8 motel, and they're hookers. You know what I mean? You can kind of picture it.
1: So trashy? Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, just just down on their luck. You know? <laughs> just...
1: It, Did like, they look like they were on drugs? One of them
0: definitely was. One of them definitely was because she was... Every time I saw her... Because this was the thing. We were all kind of gathered in the lobby... And then after a certain time we were just at the hotel just drinking because we were the only people there. So we'd be like out and about. And they would kind of move through the crowd, like probably trying to sell themselves or whatever. And uh one of them, I mean, she just was so loopy and she had very like glassy eyes, so I could tell like she probably hit the crack pipe like right before. Oh, that's sad. It was sad. It was like when I look at them, it was just like, oh, this just makes me feel bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh Anyway, guys get drunker and drunker, and then a few guys are like, oh, yeah, I want to get— Because they were pretty cheap. It was like—I mean, it was below 100 bucks for everything.
1: You know what I mean? Below 100 bucks for just one of the girls?
0: Yeah, one of them. Was, was that for an hour? I don't think there was like a two-for-one special. It was like you get one of them. You don't get two. For did, one did hour? You- no, 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 no. You don't get an hour. You don't pay for time. So you just how do you pay? Is it just like buy thing that you do? Yeah, it's whatever you want to do. So like anal might cost more. So
1: it's a la carte. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prostitute a la carte. All
0: a it was below 100 bucks. That's what I remember. But anyway, so people were getting drunker and drunker and then um this one guy, I wish I could remember his name. I'm, I'm st- Oh, uh Actually, I won't say his name. I shouldn't say his name. <laughs> yeah, don't I'm say remember his name. his name, but no, I shouldn't say it. Um, we'll just call him uh, Scuba Steve. We'll call him Scuba Steve. So Scuba Steve got very drunk. Like, the type of drunk where you're not goofy anymore, you're just blackout. Like, you don't even know what's Falling going on. over yourself. Not even that. It's the type of blackout where you're a different person. Like, you're fully functioning, but you don't even know what's going on. Well, how was he acting? He was just, his eyes were, like, you know, real closed. And he would just say crazy shit. Like, just crazy shit that, like, people only say in, like, nightmares. So, like, we're all just talking. And he'd be very quiet, like, when we were in a group. And uh, this one guy, he, he, like, didn't have the courage to go to this room and pay for a hooker. And this guy was getting so annoyed, the guy who was drunk, Scuba Steve. And Scuba Steve goes, man, I don't give a fuck. You want to know how much it is? I'll go find out for you. Because that was the thing. This guy, he knew a la carte was below 100 bucks, and he didn't have that much money, whatever it was, 80 bucks or whatever. So he was trying to figure out, like, what well, can I get? <laughs> what what can, he can I afford? afford? But he was too scared to go talk, because these were, like, big. So big, he didn't man. want to negotiate. Yeah. And this, and this guy, Scuba Steve, was like, I'll go fucking find out. And I just knew him going to that room was going to end badly. Because these are pimps. Time is money. Don't be coming to me blackout drunk, fucking trying to play games. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I followed him immediately, because I'm like, he cannot fucking speak to these people. Everyone thought it was funny, and I was like, no fucking way. You guys don't understand. So I run over to the room, but and he when he knocks, he knocks like he's the fucking police. Like, ka-poosh, 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 like,
1: oh God. You
0: know what I mean? Like he's pissed off. He's like, I need to get this done, you know? <laughs> And they opened the door. I was coming around the corner, like, right when the door got open. And it just swings open. Like, these guys are pissed. And they're like, what the fuck you want? And right as they said that, he was, maybe he said something. I can't quite remember. But I remember just grabbing him by the shoulder. And I kind of, like, pushed him away. And someone else grabbed him. I was like, oh, hey, sorry, man. My, My friend's just not feeling well. He thought this was his room or whatever. But then I realized I'm just standing there alone with these two huge pimps and these two hookers just like you know staring off into space and i didn't know what to do i felt awkward so i was just like i started like making conversation with them and i was just like oh yeah so like because they were still pissed off you know what i mean so i was gonna you were
1: trying to calm them down yeah
0: i was using the art of conversation you know i wanted them to know again this is player to player pimp to pimp you know what i mean and once they knew that they'd be like all right this guy's cool so i just started talking i was like Oh, yeah, so you guys, like, are you at this hotel room every day? Like, it's a pretty sweet deal, right? You know, you don't have to be, like, on the street and stuff. And for a second, he was, like, sizing me up. Like, he didn't know what was going on. And they just started casually talking to me, like, describing this deal at the motel. And, like, he was like, yeah, man, it's pretty sweet. It's, like, a lot better than fucking, you know, how I used to do it. And he just said, you know, he paid the the uh, the front desk person however much money a day or whatever. So we talk for like ten minutes, whatever. It's all casual. Probably not ten minutes. Probably just a couple minutes. And uh, I go to bed. Next morning, Scuba Steve is sitting in his trucks. We were truck drivers. I think I mentioned that before. And he's just like passed out. Like you know, he just drank, he's hung like, over. Too much. And I went to talk to him. I was like, "Bro, do you remember when uh, like a pimp was about to kill you last night?" And he just goes, "I talked to a pimp last night," and then just goes back to bed so not only did he not know he talked to a pimp but the news that he talked to a pimp and that pimp was pissed off at him was uneventful enough that he said i'm just gonna take a nap like he did can you imagine someone telling you you don't remember but they're like yo dude some pimp almost kicked your ass last night and you're so uninterested you're like yeah i'm going back to bed and that made me think scuba steve had to have one of the most interesting lives
1: For this to just be (laughs) non-eventful
0: Like I couldn't even imagine the type of life Where like that's just kind of like Whatever you know what I mean But yeah Pimps man Broadcasting straight from Big Rock Candy Mountain I'm Zachary Lehman
1: I'm Taylor Berryman. How can people find you, Taylor? Find me on Instagram, the underscore Poptimist, as well as Facebook, Taylor Berryman. And also check out the newest episode of the Poptimist, episode 74, uh, streaming on all major platforms with George Collins. He's a sex addiction and porn addiction psychologist, specialist expert, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. And ties into what we're going to talk about, addiction.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
0: pretty cool. Um, you can find me at Writing Lehman on Twitter and then just Zachary Lehman on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so we're back to a normal normal week, back at it. So what is the pick this week?
1: With Teeth by Nine Inch Nails. Great fucking album. Now, right, fucking now this is your album. pick. Yes. So
0: I'll say, because uh, I love this too, but why do you love this and why are you picking it to discuss?
1: couple different reasons. The first reason is this is the first... Nine Inch Nails album that I ever really found. I remember when I was first getting into music, I was maybe 13, 14. And around that time is when the song only was everywhere on the radio. Mm. They played it on VH1 every morning. I used to get up and watch music videos in the morning before I went to school. And that was in rotation on there. And so was The Hand That Feeds. Yeah, of course. That was the
0: big... That's which crazy.
1: was also in the uh, one of the Underworld movies, I think. Oh, okay. I, it's been in
0: a bunch of movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I, yeah, I love it uh, just because it's like my my real first introduction to Nine Inch Nails. I didn't actually get into the album itself until much later because I used to look kind of down on Nine Inch Nails. Whoa, and, yeah, until I until Quite I got a confession. it confession. Yeah, um, when I was in Colorado, there was this guy I worked with at Wildwood Guitars. His name was John. He was my manager, and he loved this album. He talked about how Trent Reznor was a genius. There was actually uh. Uh, heating like a heating unit in the back of the store where we worked like our little shipping and receiving area that was it was resner something or uh, another and it was from pennsylvania i guess it's trent's uncle is like a an hvac guy or something like that and this oh, was really? a very old unit yeah it looks wow. like it had been there at least since the 70s sometime wait can i ask why
0: did you look down on nine inch nails what age were you when you were looking down on them Young <sighs> well
1: yeah, probably so. Cause I guess I I liked that song only, but I wasn't really an elitist. But I just didn't get it yet. You know what I mean? I didn't understand it yet. This was my phase where I was listening to like a lot of Green Day, and that was my favorite band. And Ugh. My Chemical Romance. That was the stuff I was Ugh. into. <laughs> it's like before you have taste, you know. I still like that stuff okay now, but it's yeah. not. It's not like it ain't my... Trent Reznor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, Trent Reznor is just an interesting guy, too. Does stuff for soundtracks. Um, yeah, he's and, a very
0: accomplished film composer. He, he does is. a lot of uh, David Fincher movies. I think the one
1: coming up on Netflix, I think he did. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Mank, I believe. And he did a bunch of others. The great film composer. But he's, he's all around an interesting guy.
0: Yeah, good and bad. A
1: renaissance man. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Nine Inch Nails is proof that he is a renaissance man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'll say, too, uh, I, I like Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor, to me, is uh, a genius. I think he's one of the greatest living writers, probably one of the greatest living musicians. I just feel like I can't really judge that because I'm not really a musician. Mm-hmm. But speaking as a writer, I mean, this album is one of the best pieces of writing, ever made
1: to me it follows a cohesive theme it does yeah and really i don't see this music it's angry but it doesn't depress me i i don't feel depressed yeah. when i listen to this because it's a meditation yeah that's it's a way to put it it's burning out all the shit that's in there and getting it out of your system and we we
0: should say what tell me what briefly like what the album is about because he has a very specific reason he made this album yes he
1: got sober so and this sucks this yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no shit um you're talking to the guy with cbd and nicotine patches right now <laughs> um trent reznor would respect that yeah <laughs> he would respect that but uh his last album before that I think it was maybe The Fragile in 1999 or some it was, shit Yeah,
0: The Fragile, yep.
1: And I think this is maybe 9 Inch Nails' fourth album I think. Mm, I think so. And this came out in what? 05. Yeah. 05, yeah. So, he had already been around for a while and he was uh also talking about how he's worried about his relevance and a little a little pre thing to this album. So, he usually takes long breaks between albums. Uh, and in the break between the fragile and the, well, the fragile tour and with teeth, the the starting of the writing for that, Johnny Cash cut hurt. Yeah. Which a lot of people still don't know. That's a Trent Reznor song, nine inch Nails song. Mm -hmm. And he said when he first got it, he listened to it and it felt wrong to hear someone else singing his words. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then someone sent them the, the video and he really liked it. And he yeah. said he saw people's response to it and their response to Johnny Cash singing that song. And it gave him courage to write again because he felt like he could still be relevant. Because here you have this legend fucking singing one of your songs for a style that he's not really known in. You wouldn't associate Nine Inch Nails with Johnny Cash. No, no. I mean, if you dug deep on both of them, I guess
0: you could be like, they play with similar themes. But but
1: no. Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought that was interesting too. But the sobriety thing, he was basically saying that his life was bottoming out uh, in New Orleans is where he lived for a long time. And he moved from New Orleans to Los Angeles. So that was also a change too. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: another thing he mentioned, uh, because I I watched an interview about this album. He mentioned, uh, I don't know, what other addictions did he have? I know he said he was an alcoholic.
1: I think he did probably like Coke and he also did maybe heroin or some shit. I think he did heroin. Uh, you yeah. listen to this
0: album that some of these songs are like, this is a guy remembering doing fucking heroin. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the things he said was this was a big turning point for him because before this, he, he even said he didn't consider himself much of a writer. Yes. He would get. That he would work off sounds and then he'd be like the
1: sound design
0: and he was like I'll fuck with the lyrics later but this one he completely wrote the lyrics before he ever fucked with mm-hmm. any music and he said it was like a five month period and again it's just like you said I mean he was getting sober he was living in Los Angeles he was basically just sitting in a room with a fucking
1: you know a recorder just like exactly and he said he wrote, he made a deadline for himself for the writing for uh, two songs every ten days Yeah, which is that's insane, Which, especially
0: if you're working with this kind of personal shit.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? But it was he. His approach was different because he said this album is really songs that could stand alone against the other songs. He was saying his other albums they were more of pieces.
0: Yeah, he, that's an interesting thing he said because uh, we can get into this later. But you mentioned this has a cohesive theme, and it does. There's a progression to these songs. So it was interesting to hear him say that when he was like this is a it was it was his first song-based album. Mm-hmm. Everything else had been an epic. This was like kind of just all these emotions thrown into.
1: And he wasn't focusing on the production during the writing, right, which is probably why. That's a big part of it cuz he just had keys, a drum machine and you would record and write the vocals and he wanted to have two of those done every 10 days, which you can really hear the strength in the writing that he's just like focused on the writing because they are very, yes. very yes. composed. Yes. Um, another hey. interesting thing about the production of this album, to me, it sounds like an operating room that's sterile. Yes. I, it's completely sterile. Everything's in its right place. Which is a fucking song on the album. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And also with the production style, he is kind of similar to Prince on this album in the same way that Prince had all of these electronic elements and would drop things out and drop them back in Mm -hmm. or put them back in. So it's just really interesting to me, uh, the way that he approaches things and, Truthfully, another reason why I probably love it is because it is a songwriting-based album. And I think that's that's, why I love it. That's what what pulls me in. Because the other stuff never really grabbed me. There's like uh, singular songs that I like from his discography before that. Mm -hmm. But here he really hits the art of song. Mm -hmm. And I would
0: say going forward, because, I mean, there's great Nine Inch Nails shit before this. Yes, absolutely. But he just reached a different level with this and everything, I would argue everything since with teeth has just been like, this guy can do no wrong. Yeah. Whether it's uh, albums or it's, um, or it's his film compositions. Or well, whatever doing. it was
1: because he was sober. This was the beginning of the rest of his life.
0: Yeah. And I, I was going to say too, that's something uh, I was saying. This was a turning point for him. Cause he said before this, he felt like to even write a song he had to be in a mood where he either wanted to punch a hole in a wall or kill himself. And you can only do that for so long before it's not healthy anymore. Mm -hmm. And he reached that point. Yeah. And he said, uh, this was the album that made him realize, well, this is the album that made him focus more on songwriting, but also this was the album that made him know, I don't have to feel that way to create, which is pretty powerful. So let's get into it
1: with teeth. First song all the love in the world all the love in the world to me this one is really about him splitting the the self defense aspects of his personality that he had to create to survive going back to like childhood or, or whatever mm. and he's singing to that the thing that made him successful that crazy angry depressed drug addict That made him a rock star. To me, he's singing to that and saying, why are you the one who gets the love? Why are you the one that people love? That's interesting because that is something I got from the album because there's a lot
0: of talk about sides and about looking at yourself. And there's a lot of talk about, and I don't know the detail of it, but again, we'll get into this later and then I'll, I'll say what I have to say about this song. But there's a lot of talk about her. He references she and at first, you're kind of like, if you don't know the story behind it, you're like, oh, maybe he's talking
1: about, like, a woman. It sounds like a breakup.
0: After a while, you're like, I'm pretty sure she is the addiction, all the bad parts of himself. Yep. Because it's seductive, you know? Exactly. And he talks about these two pieces of his personality. But it's interesting you you got on that the first song, because that wasn't something I was picking up on until later. This song, to me, speaking about the sobriety thing, which, just a note to the listeners, uh, I'm... uh. Not currently sober, but I'm also not a forty year old musical genius. when I reach that point i'll I'll get sober too and right with teeth. Um, the thing I got from this song was that it was a freshly sober person dealing with being in society because you're looking around I mean some of the the lyrics he says, watching all the insects march along. And they all, and he basically says they all seem to know where they belong. So he's this guy. He knows what he, he wants to do in life. He's doing it. And yet he's back in society and being freshly sober. He's like, why the fuck do these people, why are they so content with life? You know? I just picture him w- walking through the streets being like, why the fuck are these people so content? When he's confused about his purpose at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which And there's a progression through these songs of him finding a purpose or at least reaching a point where he can search for a purpose. But yeah, I thought this song was really, I mean, the, the the theme for me was just going insane in a world that's pretending to be sane. He doesn't know how to be sane in this world. You know what I mean? Because drugs were his escape. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
1: But, uh, I want to talk uh, about the ending. So, I was just
0: about to say yeah. So I know, so
1: the yeah. ending part it, when those chords kind of change and the song opens up because the whole thing kind of sl- like slinks ar- along. And it's very tense. Mm-hmm. And then the ending is kind of the release where he's singing all the different uh, like harmonized versions of why do you get all the love in the world. And he also says at one point, too,
0: where do you get all the love in the world, right? He says it once,
1: I believe. Uh, I don't know. Or I Maybe never, I'm wrong. I could be I never caught off.
0: that. but I thought he said it once, and then he switched to why, and then he repeated the why. Why do you get all the love in the world? He might have said that. So but what don't do you know. think of that lyric? Why do you get all the love in the
1: so, world? So I'm going to say more about him using that production right there in addition to the lyric Mm -hmm. because we're hearing it as a bunch of different voices those are his voices in the in his head that he's hearing like talking to him asking him why he gets that love
0: yeah i was gonna say when it when it switches at the end which there's a lot of these songs where it seems like the last third he does some big turn some big change like i love when this song switches to, you hear the piano
1: coming in. And then it does that. Da,
0: sh- da, like the yeah, um, yeah. real
1: mechanic part, mechanical yeah.
0: part. Oh yeah, that was something I was going to say. You said this sounds like it's from an operating room. Every one of these songs, when I listen to them, I, I just picture like big factories. You know what I mean? It, it, very mechanical. You know what I but mean? But everything Ugly is pristine. Machinery. and I, I feel like it's pristine and clean. Well, that yeah, that's what I mean. I don't mean like an old abandoned factory. I mean like like, if you watch, um, you know, a movie set in the future, yeah. you see all these ugly machines, but they're working perfectly. Yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like. You, you just expect to see, like, fire coming up and smoke and, you know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like he was going for some kind of vibe like that. Like, he was almost in a personal post-apocalyptic world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. He was in a factory of himself, dude. And I was going to say, I'll, I'll say about the why do you get all the love in the world. I mean, you picked up on that theme early, so that could be him talking to the other piece of himself, The Attic. I was thinking this was more like he's so—because, again, the progression of these songs for me is the progression of uh, getting sober. So because I was viewing this as being freshly sober, he's not lashing out at himself yet in my mind. That's coming. He's lashing out at, well, he does in other songs too, like in a worse way. This is more confusion of like looking at other people and being like, how the fuck am I ever going to live with these people sober? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when he says, why do you get all the love in the world? I thought that was kind of relating back to that line about the insects. And why do you know where you belong? So it's almost like these people are living in ignorant bliss. And that ignorant bliss is a form of love that he's not receiving from the world. He has to put in extra work to reach this point where they're just fucking acts. They're ignorant insects, which I fucking love Trent Reznor because this is exactly how I feel about <laughs> people. I fucking look at people and I'm just like, why the fuck are you happy right now? <laughs> um, Uh, So yeah I mean anything else to say about that song It's a good song to open the album with For sure Because again there's such a great progression And this I would say is just a really great intro And I love that it it opens with this song and love is in the title You know what I mean Oh yeah That's great So next song what do we got You Know What You Are Yep Do you know who drums on this song Are you going to be impressed if I do
1: I actually will, yeah. Dave Grohl. Yeah, he does.
0: Ba-bam. Yeah, I knew that. But I found that out today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hadn't known that, but uh, I saw, he either mentioned it or I just saw it randomly pop up and I was like, oh shit. But Dave Grohl does do a lot of like random shit like that. He
1: He's kind of man. like the rock session guy for all the big guys Which is that pretty... can afford to have him on their albums. Isn't it crazy to be as big as Dave Grohl?
0: And you're still just like, yeah, I'll come play drums. Eh, fuck it. He's It's he's so great, specifically
1: cool his drum sound, though. You know what I mean? It's an amazing, amazing sound. And uh, Trent said during the making of the album, he was like, you know, play it like Dave Grohl would play it. And he's like, why don't I just call Dave Grohl and ask him to do yeah. it?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. And uh, that was another thing he was saying was this... Uh, this album made him a little more collaborative because
1: he usually does everything himself. And he said before this, he was kind of a dictator about everything. Mm-hmm. He had Attica- Atticus Ross on this album, who's his collaborator. Even now, they still work together. Yeah. And I believe Alan Mulder produced it. That sounds familiar. Also, side note, uh, Poptimus side note, episode one features Adam Ayan from Gateway Mastering. Who did the surround sound master of this album? Oh, wow. I think it was like maybe like a Best Buy exclusive or some shit. Mm -hmm. So he does like a 5.1 Dolby surround sound master Mm -hmm. of the album.
0: This is an interesting song because you start with All the Love in the World and it kind of makes that change at the end, which All the Love in the World speaking sound wise is a little mild compared to a lot of stuff that comes after. And this one starts off right away. Yeah. Madness. You're in it. You know what I mean? Which is, again, a great progression because he, he starts off and... Well, to me, my perspective is he's kind of looking around and him like, what the fuck? And then it's almost like he's not on that street anymore. Now he's in that room and he's just losing his mind. Because this starts off, it's like a lot of... I'm saying chaotic sounds, but not chaotic in a way where it's like not it's still um, it's perfectly chaotic. I'll say that. That's that's how I would describe this album. Perfectly chaotic. They figured out how to give order to chaos without making it seem like order.
1: It's separating the kneecap from the rest of the leg perfectly and Mm -hmm. making sure you don't get blood anywhere.
0: Yeah. So what do you think? How does this song relate to his
1: sobriety? (laughs) it's him confronting what he is both yes. both the, the bad parts mm-hmm. and the good parts like asking do you like almost do you still know what you are yeah this is the the first
0: which that's a theme until the very last song mhm but that's what i thought was interesting here this was when he was first having the thought that like am i going to exist without drugs mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh and he talks about uh Oh, this song, I was going to say, it. this is very much like a looking at yourself in the mirror song, which a oh, lot yeah. of these are, but because he talks about uh, patching the cracks in the holes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's fucking great. Which he talks about that a lot. This is another reason he's a great writer. He'll talk about something physical, like a scab or a hole or something, and that's his way into his soul. This is very much a man wrestling with his fucking soul.
1: One thing I really liked uh, during the second verse, you better take a good look because I'm full of shit. With every bit of my heart, I've tried to believe in it. Yeah, that's great. That's really, it's, it's just fucking dark, you know, but. Well, it's dark, but not dark
0: for the sake of being dark. You know what I mean? It's honest. Yes. That's what makes it dark is that it's honest. Yes. Which that's the best way to be dark. Yeah. Is just be honest.
1: You can dress it all up. You can try to pretend, but you can't change anything. You can't change anything in the end.
0: Yep. I wrote that down. So this is, again, this is also, again, getting off that street around all those people, being by yourself. This is the first song that's presenting hopelessness. There's (laughs) no fucking way you're going to be able to live sober. You know what I mean? Or that you'll be able to change. Yeah. Or that anybody
1: will ever love you, that anybody will ever accept you.
0: Yeah, I'll say that. We're focusing on the addiction and sobriety part. But if you don't know that before going into this, these are still songs that are written in a vague way where it's not just about a man overcoming addiction. It's also about a man trying to find his place in the world. And a lot of these are themes that, like, I think artists or people who maybe feel different from a lot of people they can relate to a lot of these lyrics because it's him confronting himself and just trying to figure out how to get to a place where he doesn't where his hatred of the world doesn't manifest into hatred of himself. Self-destructive behavior. Mm Self-destructive behavior can be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be doing heroin and drinking. It can be
1: anything. Well let me ask you this. Yeah. Is the hatred of self is that a reflection of society or how he Or how anybody can feel about feel about themselves like do they hate the world because they hate themselves or do they hate themselves because they hate the world
0: that's like asking that's like asking which came first the chicken or the egg and I say that as someone who uh, I don't think a day's ever passed in my life where I haven't gone do I just hate myself or do I hate everyone else am I crazy or is everyone else and I know Trent Reznor asked himself that question (laughs) uh yeah I but that's the thing and when we get to the later songs, we'll get into this. It's not again, even if you know, this isn't an, an album about overcoming addiction, there's no bullshit positive message.
1: I would argue against that in a way. Okay. We can talk about that later. Cause the later songs get more. Into well, that. I'm even going to say in this song during the bridge, mm-hmm. remember where you came from. Remember what you are. Okay. So how do you take that? Cause I have that lyric written down too. So here's the interesting thing. He makes a lot of like repetitions in the lyrics in this album, like they're yeah. mantras. Yes, from trying to get sober. And it happens more and more as the album goes along. So I see this as a positive, uh, a positive thing, where that he's lyric? where he's in this moment of crisis and he's trying to say these positive words to oh, redeem himself. Okay, okay,
0: all right. I will argue against that because I do think as the mantras go on they are more positive but when he says remember what you are that to me was whatever dark part of his soul or whatever addict is inside of him saying remember what the fuck you are you ain't gonna make it remember all the bad shit in your past remember why you had to run to drugs but is but that you a- can take it positive too because it's like remember don't ever turn away from
1: the past that's what so, I, that's what i took it as you can
0: spin it as positive yeah yes I, I guess I'm saying it's negative just because, again, I saw this progression of getting sober, so it's still so early. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to actually the song I had the least notes about, The Collector. Really? Yeah. What do you think about The Collector?
1: Another Dave Grohl song. Okay. And you could hear that right away. So musically on this one, it's pretty interesting because there's like some mixed meter shit going on. Mm-hmm. And to me, it sounds like uh, something mechanical and biological fusing together. Yeah. Um, but what, what what do you think?
0: What do you think he means when he's saying like I pick things up? I am the collect. I I
1: just couldn't picking up negative shit. Okay, that's kind of how I took it. And, and taking like- the, the, the bad life experiences and letting them. Like weigh him uh, down, weigh you down. Yeah. yeah, I pick things up. I am the collector, and these things, well, they tend to accumulate. Yeah, I was. I said, uh, this is kind of, and again, it's probably something that
0: a lot of artists can relate to, because art is about what you're, you're dwelling on, things, you're thinking about, things, you're you're theorizing about. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like when you do live a life with extremes you know a roller coaster lifestyle whether that's partying or just extreme swings of emotion mental illness um mental illness drake mode yeah yeah drake mode um when you live that sort of lifestyle you you're doing it for a reason and you can't switch out of things as quickly as other people do other people can move on very easily.
1: Yes. You can't. Oh, for you one, can switch
0: into things very quickly. Yes. But you... Like most people, things can happen to them and they can pick themselves up and move on. But if you're doing this pendulum thing where you're just going from one extreme to the other, you're doing that because when you get out of one bad experience, you can't emotionally deal with it. So you jump into another crazy experience. And mm-hmm. then if you keep doing that, you're just collecting bad experiences that you never deal with. So that's kind of how I took what he was saying here. And this was, so we went from, you know, and again, this is my perspective. I'm just being a writer. I was just obsessed with like this progression thing. So like the first song was him kind of looking at society being like, I don't belong. Second one was sort of him looking at himself and, and being angry. This one I thought was the first time where he was dealing with the idea of acceptance. He's not accepting yet. That he's part of the problem. Yes. So he, this is not him going, I'm part of the problem. I'm better now. It's just him. It's the idea of acceptance first coming into his head. You know what I mean? So that's how I took it. Because, it's again, it's it's introspective. So these other songs, the last one was a little introspective. First one to me was more outward, more kind of lashing out. Not lashing out, but seeing a difference between him and everyone else. This one was the first time that I think he was accepting like, wow, there's some shit wrong with me. You know what I mean? Because the fact that he's saying, you know, I pick, I I collect this shit and it's just here. So this is the first time he slowed down his life and he's sober and he's going, fuck, there's a lot of shit I got to deal with that I never dealt with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's looking at his, and he said when he was writing the album, I mean, when he was writing it, he was dealing with the skeletons in his closet. And this is him kind of saying, like, there's a lot of fucking skeletons in there. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's a lot of shit to unpack.
1: Even on the the outro, he does the mantra thing again. Yeah. Every last one, every last one. Uh, That, to me, is every bad feeling that he has or every thought he's had, he's thinking about it. And what role did he play and what were his defense mechanisms in that that caused him to be that way Mm -hmm. and he's honestly looking at himself and he's no he doesn't know what it is yet but he's going after it he just sees like like the lyrics in the second verse i am the plague i am the swarm he i think he also sees himself as infecting other people's lives like this behavior infecting other people's lives yeah and and ruining it and causing problems
0: again uh I would never compare myself to Trent Reznor because he's a fucking genius. Trent Reznor is so fucking talented, I don't think he's human. But I know how relatable this shit is for me. So for a lot of other people, it's got to be. You know what I mean? And I think it's more—it may not even be that it's directly relatable 100% of the time. It's just that when an artist is this honest while also being this in tune— with what he's going through And this vulnerable It's fucking undeniable Yeah You know what I mean There's no way to not feel If not empathy Sympathy You know Or or, or, or some level of respect for it You know what I mean So uh, anything else on that song Before we get into The Big Kahuna No <laughs> The Big Kahuna The song That's, that's a tasty burger <laughs> That's that Hawaiian joint. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: this is the song that, well, you said you used to hear only on the radio, which I remember that. Well, I remember hearing this was on a lot of uh, movie soundtracks. And it, they played this one on like MTV. This is another one they played on VH1. This was the big single. This was the, the first single from the yeah. album. And he said he wrote this about George W. Bush yep. Yep. and the Iraq War. <laughs> the world's gonna end. <laughs> but here's the thing: I also felt he probably did. He was able to to use that too. But I also feel like from the theme of the album. Mm-hmm. It's really about him getting sober and biting the hand that feeds, which is his creativity. Yes. Okay.
0: Well, I was going to say the hand that feeds. I was going to say my takeaway, which, yes, he does say it's. Uh, it was about Bush. Well, he doesn't say it's about. This was just what was influencing him at the time. was It was Bush uh, winning re-election in 2004. Um, but the song show—I mean, he even admits the song's pretty— it, 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 uh, out of all the songs on here, this is pretty as close as you can get to mainstream. You can pretty much get uh, it whatever. for him. Yes, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, the other way I was taking it was the hand that feeds was addiction. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's what you were saying too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's okay. it's that, it's that addiction that 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 mental anguish. Yeah, that he associated with his creativity. Because mm-hmm. the other thing about this album is he's separating not only himself. But him as an artist, as a songwriter yeah, from his addictive behavior, which was like getting loaded up on heroin and fucking drinking and yeah. all that and partying. And the hand that feeds
0: again, this is really, it's, I mean, it's an angry song and this is where I feel like he's making the turn where he's like almost challenging himself. Like, are you going to do this? Are you going to fucking fight? And I mean, it's, again, it's a, I don't want to disparage it because it is a great fucking song. Yeah, like, absolutely. If this, fu- if this song comes on in so many movies. I can tell you like at least like two movies that, maybe more that were just complete shit, but when this song played, I was like, "Oh fuck. Yes. I feel like it was used in a lot of trailers in that time period too. Yeah, I, remember, I remember like uh, The Hitcher. It was like a shitty horror movie, the whole thing sucked. But the one time they played The Hand That Feeds, I was like, this is fucking badass. Because this song makes you want to punch someone or get punched in the face. Don't matter which. Someone's just got to bleed. Great song. Um, But again, the most mainstream out of all of them.
1: Do uh, do you have anything else before we get to the end of this song? No, go for it. So uh, the same theme with uh, Mantra again. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will mm. you stay down on your knees? Yeah, I love that. Will you stay down on your
0: knees? Because again, it's him challenging himself to not let the demons control him. You know, it's a great and again, a, again, a positive mantra,
1: but in a dark Trent Reznor yeah sort yeah of way. <laughs> like, he's um, he's saying in a in a different way to like get up. You yeah. can do this. Stand on your own two feet. Yeah. So then we get into
0: "Love Is Not Enough," great song title, (laughs) depressing song title, and very true song title. What do you think of this? Oh, this is—I was going to say—some of these songs are interesting because Trent Reznor's not like traditionally singing in every song. No, some of them he's talking. Like this one, he starts off at. Well, that's what he's the master
1: of, you know. I mean, he has. He switches it up a lot. He does. He he. His voice. He can, he has this guttural scream that he can do, where it's like this primal thing. But he's not technically like a great singer. You know, you wouldn't hear him singing like an Otis Redding song or something like that.
0: No, no. You know what I mean? He'd find some fucked up way to do it. Though. Yeah, he would find a <laughs> fucked up way to do it. Um, I yeah. I mean, there's a. I mean, the main lyric I think is underneath we're not we're not that tough and love is not enough and that's fucking depressing but true but this is also to me this was him saying because he also says uh i believed i could be better with you again you could take this lyric as him going talking to an ex or something to me this is him straight up talking to addiction which i guess addiction could be an ex you could count it as an ex is he saying love is not
1: enough for his addiction anymore
0: I think he's referring to love as something... Because this is something that's interesting on this album. When he talks about drugs... Again, this is why I think he's referring to drugs as a woman. He's never referring to them as a completely bad thing. He's acknowledging that the drugs are fucking great. Being addicted to drugs sucks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which that's a very honest view of it because again when people just go like say no to drugs drugs suck it's like (laughs) drugs are awesome drugs are fucking amazing like you feel amazing on drugs the thing that sucks (laughs) is when you're not on drugs then you're like fuck I gotta get back on drugs then I gotta go suck this guy's dick so I can fucking buy some heroin and shit but it's like I mean that is the truth like if people just go like you know heroin sucks it's like you know what I've I've popped some fucking Percocets and they are fucking heaven heaven So I like that Trent is taking—I like that I'm all personal now. I'm like, Trent, you know, my buddy Trent. He's he's taking the approach of referring to what he got from drugs as, I think, the closest form of pure love that he ever got. And now he's saying, that love is not enough. Once upon a time, he tricked himself into thinking it was enough, but it's not enough.
1: Well, when you let something like that, some outside— source seduce you like that you're dependent on it. you're dependent on it and you also it's a hollow love so you don't know what true love is you know what i mean so that also makes me think of maybe the people that you're surrounded by Like how many of them are really for you and actually care about you and how many are there just like everybody deals with this in life. You just have people that try and come into your life and like latch onto it or whatever because there's something that they like about you and they're basically just like a leech. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And he says something that kind of backs up your argument about that that sort of leads into the love is not enough thing because he says uh, I've gone all this fucking way to wind up back at the start.
1: Yeah, that's so, a, Well, and it's also in terms of addiction too The relapse mm, Okay, yeah And falling back into it That's interesting You could take it like
0: that, yeah That it would be him maybe relapsing like shit I gotta start over again I was kind of taking it as um, He's saying that I depended on this thing Like if we're referring to the, the drugs As his form of love for a while He was depending on that And it carried him and now after all these years because he was dependent on it the second it's out of his life he's back at the start. All that progress is gone. All that progress as a human being was dependent on this thing giving him happiness.
1: So his life is really starting over again. Yeah. That's all of his relationships and everything, yeah. Is are in question. Mhm. Because why do I treat the people that I'm around this way even though they love me and I treat them like shit? You know what I mean? Just yeah. like it's like being reborn in a non christ way you know verse two this might be this is probably my second favorite set of lyrics on the album while it hides in the dark like a withering vein we didn't give it a mouth so it cannot complain that's so dark and so vivid yeah, it's creepy It's creepy as fuck, dude That's scary that David Lynch shit Yeah, that is David Lynch Ooh, shit funny
0: Trent Reznor works with fucking David yeah, Lynch Yeah, of course yeah,
1: yeah, yeah He was in uh, season three of ten, uh, Twin Peaks
0: Yes Yeah, fuck, I mean On one of the uh, End of one of the episodes Yeah, even if uh, Yeah, he was He sang for like 20 minutes Yeah I remember watching that episode And he started singing I'm like, oh shit We're getting a Nine Inch nail song It and was it, like a music video It was like 20 minutes later And I'm like, oh, this is fucking amazing <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, even if you don't like Twin Peaks, just look up, uh, his performance on Twin Peaks. It's yeah. fucking great. Um, see, so yeah, I love it's not enough. Anything else about this song? I mean, I, I was taking this, the theme for me was basically breaking up with an old life. Mm-hmm. That was the the theme for me. And, uh, and then again, uh, the, I believe that could be happy with you. I was going to say, if you did want to take that as he was talking about some kind of ex or something, it would just be that you can't rely on anyone else for happiness.
1: I feel like on top of trying to get sober, he's also going through a breakup. That's
0: why I say he may have mixed the metaphors because he was. I, I don't know. And, I and I he had...
1: got dumped. Oh, you think he got dumped? Yeah. I mean, this sounds like a man who just got dumped. That's true. That's true. But maybe he was just dumped by drugs. But maybe he was just dumped
0: by drugs. Yeah. Maybe he was dumped by drugs and a girl. That sucks. That's a yeah. That's I mean. that's a dark time. <laughs> uh, so next, we're into uh, probably the song I know the the second best on this album because this plays all the time. It's in a ton of movies and stuff.
1: I feel like they use this a lot for video game trailers too. Yeah. Well, it's it's got such a uh, it it's got such a moody feel, like so, very cinematic. Yeah.
0: Um, every day is exactly the same. Again very depressing title the
1: grind title. of sobriety that's what this yes. the grind m- makes me makes me think of like he's just sober every single day dealing with life as it's happening mm-hmm. and, and he you, can't go run away to anything yep and he's dealing
0: with just this the monotony of sobriety the monotony of life I mean even if you're not in a recovering addict I mean I know I ha- I have fucking weeks like this still where I'm just like oh my god every day I'm just, you just go through the motions yeah. and if, if you are someone who isn't just content to do things and then like oh I'm going to just go home have a beer watch the game go to bed if you're one of those people who's like fuck like you're thinking about yesterday and today and tomorrow you're like god damn this is depressing you know so that yeah that's how I take it I mean it, it's the monotony of sobriety it's the monotony of life that he's dealing with for the first time in
1: a long time the bridge on this one. Do you have any any lyrics before that that you wanted to mention? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Can I say some of the yeah, first yeah, lyrics? Go like for the it. the first one. I fuck. This is fucking poetry. When he says, "I believe I can see the future" because I repeat the same routine. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, oh, this is another great one because I think he he's questioning who he's accepted that who he was was sh- maybe shit. I don't think he's gotten to the point where he's like it was shit. He's just kind of like maybe I was shit, and now he's kind of like, but what am I going forward? And he says, uh, I think I used to have a purpose. Then again, that might've been a dream. Like he's literally reached the point where he's like, I don't even know this. And this is why I said heroin. He, he might've really done heroin. Cause this sounds like someone going through withdrawals on heroin. Very true. That's uh, so if he did, that's just what I'm picturing is someone going through those, um, where the withdrawals and they're just hallucinating. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, go ahead. The bridge.
1: So on the bridge for this one, uh, the music changes. Mm -hmm. It goes to like this piano thing, you know, where it's just kind of like twinkling keys a little bit. And it's kind of weird and almost atonal on some of it. And he's just like hitting notes. But the lyrics, I'm writing on a little piece of paper. I'm hoping someday you might find. Well, I'll hide it behind something. They won't look behind.
0: I was going to ask you, what the fuck do you think that means?
1: I, mean, I don't know. Great. It
0: sounds great. I just, it sounds so vague yet specific that he doesn't even want us to know what it means. Yeah, I don't know what it means. Because um, it sounds like he's talking to, he could be talking to someone close to him, he could be talking
1: to himself, his
0: future self. I don't
1: know yeah i I can't make heads or tails of what it is it just it just makes me feel something um
0: yeah oh yeah it's still it's it's perfectly written i also want to ask you about another lyric i had a question about um when he says eyes are watching in case i lose myself again do you think he's just talking about the people around him or fans like now that he's sober he's in a position where people are holding him accountable
1: Or am I taking that too literally? I think, I think so. I think it also makes me think of like, if he has a sponsor, people know that he's trying to get sober. Mm -hmm. He's having to do it for them and to make these, not even just the sobriety thing, but he's fundamentally changing. This sounds like an album uh, of someone fundamentally changing who they are. Oh Oh, yeah, for sure. And every interaction that they're having. Mm -hmm. So that's what it really makes me think of. Um, sometimes I think I'm happy here sometimes yet I still pretend. And that that too is another good thing about like what you were saying at the beginning of the song. It's just like the grind mm-hmm. of trying to, to be in life and having to deal with shit. And sometimes he feels good and other times not so good. He has to fake it to just get through his day. Yeah.
0: But again, he's not, That's why this album is so good, because he's so honest. He's not painting a bullshit, rosy picture. He's taking you through it step by step. Not only getting over drugs or whatever he's getting over, but just reconstructing yourself. Figuring out who the fuck you are and accepting the bad and the good, you know? Uh, So then we get into the title song.
1: With teeth. yeah. This might be... This is tough to say. I would say the second half of this album has some of my favorite songs on it. I, I love this whole album. Yeah. But with Teeth, there's something about this one. There's a couple different things. Well, the just the lyrics to it, obviously. Just uh, him, again, personifying his addiction as a woman. Yep. Uh, just saying, she comes along, she gets inside, she's ma- she makes you better than anything you've tried. It's like yeah. this drug, the same the same way that a new relationship or love is a drug. And again, he's 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 not
0: bullshitting himself or anyone else. He's saying, see, "I love this." Yeah, because another another one is, and it runs deeper than you dare to dream it could be. If that lyric doesn't make you want to do drugs, I. Pff- I don't think you're alive, dude.
1: Well, it's something that becomes so fucking embedded in your life that you can't get away from it.
0: And I think, too, and again, you you said the second half of the album, and he does talk, I think, a little more specifically about this. But I think he feels to reach this sort of higher level of consciousness that people think art gets you to, and maybe it does. Enlightenment. yeah, he thinks he needs the drugs to get there. Like they're his passageway, and this is him trying to figure out like how do I still get to that place of creativity and happiness without you know somebody taking me there or something taking me there. So that's that was how I took that. Um, Verse two. Some of yeah, I was gonna say it gets a little.
1: Wave goodbye to what you were. The rules have changed. Changed. The lines begin to blur. Oh, don't stop there, dude. She makes you hard. Yeah. It comes on strong. You have finally found the place where you belong. I mean, he's talking about drugs
0: there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely... And this is funny. So I guess the progression here would be like... uh, We were talking about every day is exactly the same. And he's struggling with the monotony of life. And so he starts reminiscing about drugs. And the good times... I mean, he's getting hard on thinking about drugs. That he used to have. Yeah. He's just like,
1: because he's saying it wasn't all bad.
0: Yeah, he, this is like his addiction coming back and being like, I mean, there were good times. This is like when like a you have like a an ex who's like it, batshit insane, but they're like, you know, come on, some of they it were a good time. Yeah, you're kind of <laughs> like, oh eh, well, yeah, some of it was. You know? <laughs> Maybe you're right. <laughs> um, anything else on this song with T? Yeah.
1: Uh, what do you got? Okay, so the bridge. Mm -hmm. another mantra. I cannot go through this again. Oh, yes. Because that's the shift in the song. Because he is loving it the whole time and looking back. But he's, uh, with that line, I was going to say, he's
0: recognizing that, I think that's like a moment of clarity. And he's saying it as a mantra to to fight off these feelings of like, dude, drugs were awesome. Because he's saying like, this is bad that you're, what he's going through is so hard. He's like, if I do drugs again, I'm done because I can't get sober again. I can't go through this again. This. Yeah. This wanting deconstructive yeah. process. Yep. Yeah. So this is him. And he, I think he says it so many times because he's telling himself, if you go back, you will die. You will die. You will die. He's just saying it again and again to be like, this is the reality. That was how I took it.
1: What does the chorus mean? Because it's also the title of the album With Teeth
0: This was something that Confused me even after I listened to the song A few times Because it's very vague I mean it could be It could be that he's Reminding himself That this addiction Is actually predatory Like it has teeth Like it's going to bite you
1: you Interesting
0: That was kind of how I took it, but do you have a theory about it? Because I'm not even saying that's for sure. I'm saying that was just me going like, I I
1: honestly, I like that theory a lot.
0: That's what I thought he was doing. Because again, he says, doesn't he say with teeth a lot too in this song? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was him again, reminding himself it's dangerous. Yeah. Don't forget. Like I know it will bite you. Like again, the drugs are great. But it's him reminding himself the addiction sucks. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's almost like uh, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll go with my theory because if he's saying with teeth, it's almost like it's got a hold on you. That and I was gonna say... once an addict, always an addict. And I was also gonna say it's it's like when you see like a a, a cute animal you want to pet or something, you know, or you see like a, an animal like maybe you see a fucking lion. You're like, wow, that's a cool lion. I'd like to pet that. And you know what? Petting a lion probably would be fucking awesome, but he's going to bite you with those fucking teeth. Yeah, it's it's going to be awesome for a about a second. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like drugs. It's going to be awesome for about a second, but just remember there's an after effect. You know what I mean? There's an aftertaste to it. So that was, that's what I think those were. The The first one was him reminding himself, like, you can't do this again. And the second part was him reminding himself, the with teeth part was him reminding himself, that's dangerous, what you're looking at and you're reminiscing about. And he has to say it so many times because, again, he's it's just like when people are getting sober, when they're in AA and shit, they repeat things. You know, they they have mantras. They have the, what's the prayer? The serenity prayer they do in AA, mm-hmm. I think. Or maybe they do it in all, the, all the, the stuff. But yeah, that's how I took it.
1: Next song, Only. Only, yep. The other big, quote unquote, hit from this album, the one that they played on... The radio. But shit did I didn't realize. Like, I, I did not remember. This was
0: one of the songs I probably knew the least. Really? Yeah, I don't remember hearing it a lot. I
1: think it either. also got used in a Apple Music ad at one point too. Really? Like early iPod? Oh, you know what? I do you remember the, those those b- early ads? Yeah, they would the, show the those whatever they played in those would be a big deal. Yeah, like they would yeah. be become a big hit. I think you're right because I do seem to remember.
0: Hearing Because they would play music and they'd show those dumb little animated people dancing. And I, I think I remember hearing Nine Inch Nails one time being like... Just like that. dun." dun, t- d- dun I remember being dun, like, this dun, is an dun, odd dun, pick. Dun, dun, Nine dun, Inch Nails, dun, huh? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Someone's just like
1: dancing to it. So only. To me, this is separating those characteristics that you've developed or those character flaws from your actual self, your spirit and your consciousness. What do you mean? So only that it's like he's splitting off the negative aspects of himself. He knows, he knows what they are and he can see them outside of himself like they're a separate person. That's not who he really is. Yeah, I think you took
0: it a little more positively than me. Because the way I took this was he's having this intense fear that who he is or who he's always known is disappearing.
1: Well, that too,
0: which I guess, again, I, I say it's negative. You can spin it into a positive, yeah. thing, like you're saying, so yeah. it, it's I ne- feel like
1: we're saying the same thing, but yeah, in a different way. It's,
0: I guess it's negative in the moment, positive in the long run. Yes. But yeah. And, and that's a, that's another theme throughout all these songs is he talks about disappearing fading away because and I guess I took it more negative because I took it less as him recognizing that this bad part of himself is disappearing and being fearful that this thing's going away and I don't think there's anything left of me. Like he says, um this is a, a lyric and a song we already did, but he says, I think I used to have a voice and now I don't make a sound. So I think he's scared that when this addiction leaves Everything else about him, which the main thing is, a musician, that's going to fucking leave too. And then who the fuck is he? Yes. So, yeah, that was kind of uh, the main theme for Only is I think it's just losing your identity because you're changing. So,
1: again, positive long-term, negative short-term. I think this is also him not giving a fuck at the same time i'm becoming less defined as days go by fading away and well you might say i'm losing focus kind of drifting into the abstract in terms of how i see myself i think he's he's giving less of a fuck because the second verse is all about the uh the the, like fitting in with the less concerned about fitting into the world your world that is he's defining yeah that's true he's defining his own terms now and
0: he has a great thing, which, uh, a lot of these songs, most of these songs, which we mentioned this, it seems like he's talking directly to himself, but also talking directly to addiction
1: or the dark side of himself, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. putting it, uh, is using you. Is that the second person? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of this album, he's talking in the second person to, he's talk it sounds like he's talking to another
0: person yeah. having a conversation. He's really just talking to himself. And he says, uh, at one point, I just made you up to hurt myself. That's a great moment of realization from him because he's recognizing this- It was created. This person that I created was only created because I wanted to hurt myself, which we mentioned he said he could only write a song before if he felt like punching a hole in the wall or killing himself. Mm -hmm. And that's intoxicating for a while, especially (laughs) as an artist. But he's recognizing now that he did that on purpose because he hates himself, you know, which goes back to the, you know, what do you hate more, the world or yourself? But the truth is, it doesn't really matter if you hate the world or yourself more because hating the world leads to nowhere, which is exactly what he's realizing right now. Like, if you talk to Trent Reznor today, he still fucking hates the world. Mm hmm. You'll never solve that. If you hate the world, you're going to hate it forever because it ain't ever going to change. The only thing you can change is you. And this, to me, is him recognizing I got to change myself.
1: Well, there, there's that lyric in the song, the tiniest little dot caught my eye and it turned out to be a scab. And I just got this feeling. Yes. Like it was something bad. I just couldn't ignore. And that, that is my favorite fucking lyric on the album. Really? Okay. Yes. Because it's, it's looking at yourself and seeing whatever, just catching something out of the corner of your eye, just noticing yourself one day and seeing something that you don't even know is ugly yet. Just noticing. Yeah, That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Feeling a certain type of way about it that you haven't identified yet. Well, again, as
0: you could say as an addict or as someone just filled with hate. You can only do it for so long, especially if you're an artist or any sort of introspective person. You can only do it for so long before you do have that moment where you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, what the fuck was that? You know what I mean? Another mantra in this song. There is no fucking you. There is only me. So this is him. I mean, he's looking straight at this piece of himself that he wants to get rid of. And he is just like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. I exist. You don't exist. I exist. It's fucking great because... The mantras before were a little kind of depressing. This one's kind of like... Before he's challenging himself to stand up to whatever he needs to stand up to, this is him being like, fuck you.
1: Well, he's talking to himself... Like he's Fletcher in in Whiplash. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he's
0: he's literally Fletcher and he's also Neiman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which when you're talking about Trent Reznor, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> like, Whiplash is literally if you told me this is a movie we made this about Trent Reznor's mind. I would be like, this makes total sense. Because <laughs> he is this kind of mad Yeah, oh yeah. He's screaming at himself, just like, were, well, you, were you rushing or were you dragging? <laughs> he also got super ripped for this album, too. Yep. Yeah. Oh, f- fuck, dude, you're sober. That's like being in prison. You got to. Yeah, out yeah, living. you
1: had nothing else to do. What the fuck
0: else are you going to do? <laughs> Uh, So Only What, What do we got Oh anything else on Only Giant Meteor here again I realize my campaign message thus far May have been taken a little harshly by some You have to understand Things aren't as sensitive where I am That's the benefit of space Empty and quiet
1: No Twitter, no color, no opinions It just is And that's what I'm offering you The world in 2020 I see what's happening in your snow globe And I see how you snowflakes are being treated And it's disheartening you deserve more. You deserve the peace that I have. That's why I'm sacrificing my own peace this November to bring about true change, not just in D.C., but everywhere. Getting smaller. Love this song. This is the most... Love this song. This is like the most psychotic song on the album. This yeah, is the, the manic episode. I,
0: I was going to say, this song was when I went, like, I kind of thought it was about, the album was about heroin. I was like, this is about heroin. Yeah. This is a man just going crazy in a room. Um but I also wanted to actually tell, you know what? What do you think of this song, first off? Where does this rank for you on the album? You know, when I first got into this album,
1: this was my favorite song. Okay, okay. Because this is maybe my favorite song on the album. It's, it's pretty rock and roll, too. It's got a real another Dave Grohl track. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, it's just super hectic and chaotic sounding. It sounds like he's spiraling out of control. It sounds like he's screaming into the void.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even some of the lyrics. I mean, when he's just like, I've got my arms that flip, uh, uh, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop. I got my head on a spring. It just sounds like he's like losing touch with reality. Yeah. He's like his body's falling apart in his own mind. That's very David Lynch too. That was kind of how I was looking at, but let me float a theory about this song to you. I thought maybe this song could be from the perspective of his addiction, like maybe his. Interesting. I'm not saying this is true. Um, I'm just saying it was a weird thought I had where I was like, because he's talking about disappearing again in this song, and he's talking about almost falling apart. So I thought this could be from the perspective of his addiction, because his addiction's dying, and his addiction's dealing with dying. Shit, dude! I would not have even thought of that. That's I like that. That's a good theory. That's what I thought because you know there were just uh, I haven't got fucking anything again. This talk of disappearing,
1: I think I'm losing my grip. I think I'm losing
0: my grip because losing power, you don't have power anymore. So that's what I kind of took it as is. It, this thing is just disappearing. This, I mean, it's being personified as a person. But my theory is it's the addiction, the she that he's been. Talking.
1: Well, the the third verse that makes that makes a lot of sense too. Hey, and for what it was worth, I used to. Uh, I really used to believe that maybe there's something great that we could achieve. That's his addiction talking to yeah. him and saying, we could have done something great. What we were fuck? great together. What were yeah. you, what are you thinking? Yep. And then,
0: uh, and then of course some of the last lyrics when he's, it's just going fading away, fading away. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's what's happening to the addiction it's losing power and especially cuz this comes after a song where he's It sounds be- like it's powering down too yeah. like something spiraling out of control going down the drain. And again the progression because the you know the songs before this he's more and more saying like fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now it's like shit. The seduction's not as strong anymore. So yeah, that's that that's my theory cuz again there's you know my world is getting smaller every day. That's another thing. My world is getting smaller every day. That lyric to me, you can say that's still Trent Reznor going, like, my world's getting smaller, like he's in a room, and sobriety's making it feel like the walls are closing in. But I also took it as this addiction, this person, whatever it is, their only world is because of Trent Reznor. So because he's saying, fuck you, and he's getting rid of it, it's like, my world's disappearing. I'm literally—I'm not dying. I'm just not going to exist. I'm ceasing to exist. Evaporating. Yeah. Which is also how I took, like, the beginning was so mad with the head on a spring, arms flip-flopping. It's like, you're ceasing to exist. You're not even dying. You're just disappearing. So that's how I took this song. My favorite song on the album, I think. Because it's just so fucking crazy.
1: Next song. Sunspots. Sunspots, yeah. Great bassline on this one. Uh, what do you think this one's about? This was like The Collector.
0: This was one of two that I had the least amount of notes on. Um, I mean, I think it's still, he's because he says things, I think it's still playing with the theme of figuring out who he is. Because he says things like, uh, I think I used to be someone. Well, he ends, not to skip ahead, but he ends, he starts, he says, I think I used to be someone. And towards the end, he says, I think I have to be someone. So the progress there tells me that he is mourning this person and maybe the addiction that's going away. But then at the end, he has this realization that, like, no, you were never someone. Now you well, have to figure out how to be someone.
1: Let me ask you this. So he also talks about just staring off into the sun. Yeah. And the song's called
0: Sunspots. Well, that was something, that metaphor, I don't know. I don't know if that has something to do
1: with drugs or what. I don't know. I, I mean, here, let's come back to that. There's one okay. thing I want to I talk about. Oh, can
0: I say another great
1: lyric I like at the yes. beginning?
0: Sometimes I forget I'm alive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> uh, the chorus. Yep. This is one of the things that reminds me of Prince. Okay. Because uh, the way that he said, if you just listen to the, the chorus, she turns me on. She makes me real. I have to apologize for the way I feel. The the actual melody it it almost reminds me of, uh, like, "Kiss" by Prince. Yeah, it has that kind of sing song pop melody. He's also singing in a falsetto, which I don't think he does anywhere else on the album. Yeah, I
0: was gonna say, um, one of the things I was gonna say, some of these songs, the way he sings, because usually Trent Reznor, I picture like just dark voice, you know, like you you said like guttural. Yeah. Some of them kind of sound like, even though the music's a little dark, it's almost like he's singing a lullaby. Yes, a lot. A a lot of
1: these songs sounds like uh, lullabies.
0: Um, And I, okay, I was going to say this too. I do have a motherfucking theory on what Sunspots is about. I just had this fucking theory. First off, let me tell you my favorite lyric from the fucking album. Not only one of my favorite lyrics from the album. I think I already know what it is. Go ahead. Really? Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) This is right. (laughs) Um. Fuck in the fire, and we'll spread the air. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I
1: thought you were going to say.
0: I mean, first off, I'm at half-mast right now. That sounds awesome. What I think he's saying with sunspots, you talk about, he talks about staring directly into the sun. I think this is him embracing the madness a little bit. Because who who, who was it who flew too close to the sun? Was it Icarus. Icarus. I think this is where he's figuring out, oh, I can still be a madman sober. I don't need to fucking get loaded to fly straight into the sun. I can just fucking do it because I want to. (laughs) So that's how I took it was this was him as a sober man, as a sober artist, embracing the fucking madness and just going, fuck it. Yeah, it's all
1: chaotic, but let's just
0: fuck in the fire and spread the fucking ashes because we don't give up.
1: That stuff. theory is supported by the bridge and nothing can stop me now. There is nothing yeah. to fear and everything I'd ever want is inside of here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is a great song. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I love this uh, song. This
1: was one of my other favorite songs <laughs> when I first got, got into the album as a whole piece. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think I think that. I didn't even have that thought before. I had that line written down, but yeah, I think that's what it is. I think this is him. I mean, embracing madness, like I said, but also just taking control a little bit, figuring out how to be Trent Reznor without all the shit that he thought made him Trent Reznor before. So that's what I think this is. Um, The line begins to blur. The line begins to blur. (laughs) What do you think of this one?
1: I think this is uh, reality versus w- like, w- your perception of reality yes. is. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, I would say that.
1: And you don't know which is which just because you are starting to do that deep dive on yourself. Because when you deep dive like this, you're very isolated, no yeah. matter if you're a, an addict or you're just going through something, getting sober, going through a big life moment yeah. where you're like, I got to change and I got to grow the fuck up well he, he,
0: he says at the beginning I have this line written down he says and myself I have grown too weary to hate I think this is literally just a song about him saying he's really tired of being stuck in his head right now and he needs to get the fuck out mm-hmm. even if it's led him to sobriety he's spending too much time up there so again a, a positive progress but that's how I took it was he's stuck in his head um, he's thinking about too much I mean he says uh, there are th- There are things I said I would never do. There are fears that I cannot believe uh, have come true. So, again, there's like, there's positive lyrics and there's negative lyrics here. I think he's just recognizing, like, because the the last song he's embracing the madness. Now he's kind of like, all right, I figured that out. Now I need to get the fuck out of here. and start putting this shit into practice, because uh, if you stay up there, even if you've turned it positive, there's still negative shit up there. You know what I mean? Because yes. now he's still, he's looking back at his past again, going, I can't
1: even. You can't it. be that deep into yourself all the time, because you'll destroy yourself. You will go yeah. crazy. Because again, he goes back to a negative. He yeah. says,
0: I can't even believe some of the shit that's happened. You mm-hmm. know? Um, oh, and he says, another lyric he says, kind of midway through the song, he says, there's somebody on top of me. I thought that was interesting. You think that's him just talking about addiction? or Yeah. Because what do they say? It's like monkey on your back yeah. or whatever, a rock on your chest. And then he says, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, again, so, it's stuck in his head. He's like, yeah. I don't even fucking know what to think anymore. Um, anything else on this song? No. Uh. Beside you straight.
1: What's that? I was going to say pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward on yeah. that one. Beside You and Time. This actually might be my favorite song now on the album. I was going to say this starts off. Uh, oh, this is your favorite now. Mm-hmm. It's a. Med- it sounds like a meditation. Mm-hmm.
0: It starts. Oh, you, you said it starts off like a meditation. I was going to say it starts off like that. You do picture like a group coming together, but it still has like an apocalyptic feel. It's like yeah. a dark gathering. Yeah. You know, whatever the reason is for these people. This
1: is the nuclear
0: winter. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, and this is one I was going to say. This one, uh, when it starts, sounds the most like a lullaby, despite yes. the music being dark. He's keeping his voice in a sing song, not sing songy. It's, it's just it's a quiet, quiet, soft. quiet, soft lullaby tone.
1: Uh, just I that opening, the opening lyric: "I am all alone this time around." Sometimes on the side, I hear a sound. Places parallel. I know it's you. Feel the little pieces bleeding through. Also. Bleed Through was the original title of this album. Really? Mm hmm. Mm, I think I like With Teeth more. I like With Teeth more too. He brought it to his label, I guess, and they said no because it reminded him too much of a tampon commercial. Oh, Bleed Through? Yeah. Well, I can see that.
0: (laughs) Now that you said that, I can't really get that out of my head. So
1: I guess that's true. Um, but not to take away from those lyrics. I mean, those are great lyrics right there. Yeah.
0: And he he even says later, he goes, uh, now that I've decided not to stay, I can feel me start to fade away, which is interesting. It's almost like this is like a last visit to whatever dark part of his mind there is, you know, like he's like, I'm not I'm not hanging out here anymore. Is this but- uh,
1: the addict? or the drugs themselves or what what is this this also could be the addiction you can make
0: an argument for it. place's parallel i know it's you yeah and then uh, there's also these the last lyrics confuse me when the, the there's another mantra and on and on and on and on it yep. goes you know what do you think of that that's just saying life keeps going on the world keeps going on okay The world just keeps on fucking spinning. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, okay, so the title, Besides You in Time. That was what made me think this actually could be, again, the addiction talking a little bit. Mm -hmm. This could be them going back and forth, because Besides You in Time. We will never
1: die beside you in time.
0: Once an addict, always an addict. Yes. I have that written down. Yeah, once an addict, always an addict. And I guess that plays into the on and on and on it goes, because it's like... This is just reality now. Yeah. I'm an addict. And I have to be an addict every fucking day of my life. Yeah.
1: which uh, Or choose is. not to be an addict every fucking day of your life.
0: Well, but don't they also say you're always an addict and you're an addict every day of your life, even if you get sober? Mm-hmm. Not that that's a negative thing. I'm saying that's a positive thing. Yeah, That's how they, they keep sober. Yeah. So I think that's that plays into the on and on and on it goes. But I like that. I like that when it gets into that and then there's kind of a big break. Again, there's such... Um, there's such big turns in these songs. You know what I mean? But it never feels, um, it never feels jarring when he just goes from not one genre for the, to the next, but from one sound to another. Yes. And the sounds shouldn't go together, but he makes the transitions work for some
1: it's, it's a symphony of dissonance. Mm-hmm. Next well, song. Last song on the album, right where it belongs. This is
0: uh, also a crazy song in a different way. An interesting song. No, not an interesting, a perfect song to end the album with. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I don't have a lot of answers with this one. I mean, oh, actually, tell me what you think. Because there, there's one part I have to ask you about. I have to get your thoughts on.
1: Well, there's one thing that I noticed for this song is there was a production change with his voice part okay. of the way through it. I'm, I can't remember what what lyric was at. Uh, it was it was for one of the choruses, I think, like for the start of the last chorus, because um, uh, pretty much the whole song, it's it's like a distorted sounding voice. Yeah. And then it does it does that one, the devil and your gods, all the living and the dead. And you're really all alone. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of, it sounds like there's like static on his voice or something on his voice. Then you hear that cheering. And then his voice is clear. Yeah. So that's him coming I was, Like from a production standpoint. He's using that also as like a mental. It's almost like the production is a, an equal character on this album. It's interesting. I feel like there's not many people that do that like Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll just make another side note, too. I think he he grew up probably loving bands like Pink Floyd and shit like that. Mm-hmm. that that made the albums as a whole and use the production to tell a story and he does with this
0: okay what i was going to ask you is when he gets to the shit about you can cuz a lot of this is it's hitting on a lot of the themes head on about you know when he talks about see the animal in the cage are you sure which one is the cage it's a lot of self a lot of yep you know who are you but when he starts talking about like the you can live in this illusion you can choose to believe what the fuck is up with the cheering? Did you hear the cheering? Yeah. What the fuck? Well, that's, that? that's right before... That's what I'm saying. You mentioned it, so I'm
1: like, what? Uh, what is your theory behind the cheering? I don't know. That's what kind of reminded me of, like, The Wall by Pink Floyd or something like that.
0: Right, with, like, the talking and the... Like, there's a crowd. You're giving the image of a crowd.
1: Yeah. Um I don't know what that means. I mean, uh,
0: I can I give a really simple theory? Yeah. The reason I thought that this song was perfect to end it with because the last line he has, "Would you find yourself find yourself afraid to see?" I thought that this song the main theme was he's overcome fear. And he does have lyrics where he he's not again, he's not painting a rosy picture. He's not saying I have all the answers. Life is going to be perfect now. He's acknowledging that this is just a journey. There's going to be good and bad. But when he says that at the end and he talks about you can live in this illusion, you can choose to believe, it's almost like he's talking to himself, but he's also talking to other addicts or people struggling with self-destructive behavior. And he's saying you can choose to believe, but there's another way. When you look at that animal in the cage, don't think that that's an animal that's you that's the other part of you the part i just overcame so that last lyric to me was him saying he's overcome fear not that it means life is perfect now it's just that he's his own man now which is why i think this was the perfect song to end this album with because it's as positive it's the most positive song in the album but it's not very positive it's just an acceptance of reality it's positive
1: for nine inch nails
0: yeah i think that last uh those last verses, I think, are just, I, again, I think that's as positive of a message as you can have at the end of this, because it's him saying he's overcoming fear. Because, he, again, he, he's, he hits all the th- every theme that he mentions in the album, whether it's uh, self, whether it's uh, uh, living in an illusion, choosing to believe, he hits all of them in this song. He hits all of them every verse. You know, he's just like, it's like a greatest hits of the album. And then at the end, again, it's almost like he's talking to himself, but he's also talking to other addicts and being like, again, that last line. What if you could look right through the cracks, which is something he mentions a lot, the cracks in yourself, patching them up, going through them, looking at your soul. What if you could look right through the cracks? Would you find yourself, find yourself afraid to see? So he's basically saying Don't be afraid to look at yourself in a real fucking way. Mm -hmm. Go through those cracks. Look at your fucking soul. uh, I I also take
1: it as uh, change your perception of the world. Well, yeah, change
0: your perception of the world by being more honest about who you are. So I think that's his message at the end is like, I did it. You can do it. Look at those cracks and don't fucking patch them up with drugs or self-destructive behavior. Just fucking go into them. Because you, you're you not going to be afraid. You, you think you're going to be afraid to see. You think you're going to be afraid to look at yourself. And it's going to be hard. But fuck, I just did it. That's how I took it.
1: This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller. We're going to shoot you in the fucking head, Millhouse.
0: And then I'm going to rape your fucking skull. While while
1: you're still dying. We're rolling. Good. I want people to know this.